I don't. I have. I'm hoping you're on the road. I have these and what's left of my lower back from, <laughs> from, from this week. My goodness, I think I, there hasn't been a day where I haven't snowed. Or where I haven't snowed, where I haven't shoveled. Does anybody have a blade of snow? I just followed everybody else's trail. I don't trust it. That's too far. I left at 8 o'clock. I'm meeting my property file. Where we went before? With the blade, yeah. It wasn't on my radar. So, I mean, I would have been on it Monday yeah. if it was on my radar. But why does it need to be caught? It's just it's it's a showing. Church Sunday before that hit. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> it's, it's covering the blemishes. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into this. And Father, before we do this, before we go into your Word again in the in digging deeper, thank you that we got to hear it. Thank you for our pastor. Thank you for the um, time and faithfulness that he put into it to um, exhort your church. Um, that we would be a people ready with lamps lit. Uh, Lord Jesus, we come into the very same text again that you would continue doing this. And uh, may it have an effect from this. May, may, may we be uh, readied and willing and people with eyes open, sleeping with one eye open, um, as he said. And the things that we have to say, Spirit, would you lead? The things that we have to hear, Spirit, would you enable? Um, this is your wonderful work as we open your word, and your word opens us, and help us in our speaking, in our hearing, in our conversation, may it be for your glory, pray as well, uh, that we would all get home safely, for those who are leaving out from our midst and on the roads right now, and those who are going to in the next hour when we finish up, may we get home safely, find home as we left it, and uh, find the warmth that we need there, and keep our eyes open, if there's anybody who needs anything, may you draw us in to help them, and Thank you for the opportunity to serve. And thank you for the best service of all we've received from you. And may that put or subdue anything that would come in the way. And it's for your wonderful and perfect name we pray. Amen. All right. All right, so let's just jump right in. I know we're getting a little bit of a late start. Um, verse 35 in chapter 12 if in, your, in your Bibles of uh, the book of Luke. And Jesus starts off by saying, and the title head of this is, You Must Be Ready, is how the ESV Crossway folks um, divvied this up. Okay, so um, it's unique in, before we get into this, Matthew and Mark put this uh, part of Jesus' teaching um, after the Olivet Discourse, when Jesus is talking about his second return and the and end times, and there's an eschatology in there. Eschatology means eschaton, study of the last things. Um, that's where Jesus puts the, or that's where um, Matthew and Mark put this. Luke doesn't do that. He, um, 
he puts his right after he kind of divulges the religious leaders and he's, he's, he wants his, and after, don't fear man, fear God, and acknowledge me before men, and the pure parable of the fool who wasn't ready before God, and don't be anxious, trust God, and fear not, little flock. He puts it right in here so that we're ready, not just looking at the end times, but we're ready now. That's Luke's emphasis, at least that's what I think. That's why Luke puts this segment of teaching here, and it fits really well, and it's, I think it's just the Spirit telling us, yes, be ready for the end times. Be ready for the end times by being ready now. Um, and so, Jesus starts by saying this in verse 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for the master to come home to the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. So he says, stay dressed. Um, if you, in that time, when you were going to do something and you needed quick movement, you would tuck your robe into your sash, into your belt. Uh, when you were traveling, you would do this, or when you were fighting, soldiers would do this. They'd tuck their stuff in to their belt, and they have easier mobility. So he kind of he, he uses that image uh, to say to, to convey this to his disciples: stay ready for action. And he's concerned about our doing. Um, it's live like what everything I've taught you is true and obey my commands. Um, keep your lamps burning. Um, I love that imagery. And we'll talk more about that as we progress through this. Uh, and be like men who are waiting. Um, we'll, we'll talk about waiting a little bit here soon. Christians are, are not those who just wait. We wait fruitfully. You know, we're not just sitting in chairs. We're, we're waiting, serving. Uh, who await their master to come home from the wedding feast. So what did Jesus say? He says, I'm going to go away. He keeps telling his disciples this, disciples this throughout his three-year ministry, but closer to the cross. He'll say, I go in John, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. He desired, in, the, in his high priestly prayer in John 17, he says, I desire for them, his people, to be with me where I am, with you and the glory that we have. So, that's what Jesus is doing right now, and he wants us to be ready for his preparations later, serving faithful in the meantime. And so, um, we'll have time to talk about wedding feast and parables later in the book of Luke. Uh, so that when they open the door at once, uh, they will open the door at once to him. That, I underlined at once in my Bible because um, you can't respond at once if you're not ready. You know, Christians are those moments noticed, at a moment's notice, people, I'm here for you. At uh, a moment's notice, as quick as possible, yes, we obey the word of God immediately, purposefully. Christians don't wait idly, and they're ready all the time. Those are the people that Jesus is exhorting us to be, teaching us to be, when he comes and knocks. In verse 37, this is the first of three times he's going to give us a beatitude and say blessed. Blessed are those who, here, this is the first one, blessed are those servants who the master finds awake when he comes. What did he say to his own disciples the night in Gethsemane? They kept falling asleep. He said the, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Blessed are those whom the master finds awake when he comes. 
These are the ones who, they don't let their lights go out. They continuously come. Um, they're happy in service, fulfilled in their bondage to freedom, right. their joyful service. Being awake, is that more like a spiritual awakening? Like to be spiritually awake, not... Because if he comes in the middle of the night, you're sleeping, but you're spiritually Yeah, not, not a literal, because he right. commands rest and sleep he gives to his beloved. Your light's always there if you're spiritually connected with yeah. him. Okay. It's, it, he, essentially, he's saying, like, to his people, you are my people, live according to me, um, according to, you know, the person you belong to. Um, awake means, um, well, you're not living like the guy that it's going to tell us about once we get after this part. Um, and he calls these servants. So just by association, we're serving, we're active, seeing the needs in the world. We're, we're the sheep, not the goats, as, Ma as Matthew 25 says. Uh, people on call, that's what being ready means. We've said that a lot in here before, and I firmly believe like we're to be a people on call. Um, yeah, we plan things out. Yeah, we do them, but we're ready when God shows us a need. Uh, hey, Rich, uh, in Revelation, mm -hmm. the Lord is knocking, and is he knocking with, to the seven churches because they're starting to slack off, and he's showing them their points of yeah, behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's he writes that to the last church, the complacent church of the rich. In other words, we should people. examine ourselves if mm -hmm. we think we're, you know, a lot of times we just think we're automatically saved and whatever. You know, we went forward and mm -hmm. got baptized, and they say, well, once saved, always saved, or in a sense. But what I'm getting at is we have to always, in a sense, examine ourselves because we're always screwing up. Right. That's why the Lord gave us uh, that. Forgiveness, we can ask for forgiveness every yeah. time. That's 70 times 7. Yeah, Joe, that's evidence that you're uh, a Christian. Is, and, you is that what you're trying to bring out here into the, in the scriptures here? Mm -hmm. For to try to be alert and make sure? Because yeah. it doesn't have to be an apocalypse. It can be, hey, I'm 70. Oh, man, I'm, the time is short. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? In, a, in that sense. So... There's other ways of looking at it, is there not? As far as when we're 20, we don't think we think we're we we got another 50 years to go, you know, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, when you're young, you never think you're gonna. But I know you think you being old is like way down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You know, Rich, I read that someone asked Martin Luther, if the Lord was to come tomorrow, what would you do? What would you What would you do if you know for a fact He was coming? And he said. Well, I was planning on planting a tree. I'd probably still go ahead and plant the tree. <laughs> you know? yeah. We're not going to do some big thing. Yeah. Know, he's coming tomorrow. Do what he's been telling us to do all along. Yeah. You know, small thing. I could be a berry. Yeah. A tree. I don't think he's trying to get us to go take out. Take care of your kids. Yeah. You tell your wife, take care of your kids. That's your job. That's what you're supposed do what you're to do. Absolutely. We're going to, yeah, we'll talk about that at the end of this when we get there because okay. Jesus is... He's not asking us to go be MVPs or anything like that and go win trophies. He's asking us just to be simply faithful to what to what we to what we know. Yeah. And when what Joe says, you know, when I talk about when we talk about this at LA because they're older, they're in their nineties and eighties, we say, you know, we're, nobody's ever promised tomorrow. Even if you're nineteen or you're ten, or you're, so we should live today for him because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And that's the same thing as when he's coming. Are we ready for our own death? 
Yeah. Are we, like Snow said, are we ready to get, you know, you said when you were 70 years old, well, let's do it, well, I mean, you get in a car accident when you're 20 and that could be it. Yeah, yeah I mean, last week you said, is your soul prepared? Yeah, I mean, you know, I saw a lot of young women, some had children. I mean, we would all get to talk to each other, we were there all day. Why did I live and they didn't? Some of them died in their 20s, 30s, yeah. 40s, you know. Here I am, my 70s, and I'm still here. Not yeah. because I'm better than them or I don't deserve it, but we don't know when we'll go. Mm -hmm. I have to, I mean, I had cancer 15 years ago, yeah. the first time, and it was, this you, could be you it. Feel that this God, could be it. You know, a lot I, of people say well, when you're end. born, you, all, you already yeah. have the time yeah. that you're going to be going back to Christ in yeah. death. I think that's know. somewhat, I mean, I don't think that. Does it say that in the Bible that he already knows when you're going to die? Yeah. I don't, oh, it does? What, what is that one? What's that uh, one? He's that sovereign. Uh, you can go, just go to Sorry, Psalm please. 139 in general because before a day of mine has come to pass, you knew all of my, you knew my, what does it say? You knew my every, you knew my every thought before I was even, even was. Sorry, like, so God is so sovereign that he knows even every thought that's going to come into David's head before the foundation of the earth. And so he absolutely knows the time of our birth and the time of our death. Uh, it's, it's some theology that you have to work. Uh, and there's this, an explicit verse. We hit it actually a few weeks ago where, um, where we were talking about fear of the Lord. Um, oh, yeah. Um, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Are not five, five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten by God. So even why even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So that, I mean, that's the Bible's way, Jesus' way of teaching. God is sovereign over the day of our birth. He's sovereign over the day of our salvation. And he's sovereign over the day of our death. Even the hairs of our head are numbered. I can answer that better if I dug a little deeper into it. But Sorry to put you on the No, that's fine. But yeah, okay, thank you. Uh, he actually, I, mean, I love what A.W. Pink said. He said, uh, he even saw all of my falls, all of my backsliding uh, before any of it came to pass. Now, my, now I just want to stay on this because I'm starting to think of all these examples from the Bible that... I'm sorry. No, 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 it's fun. No, this is fun stuff. Uh, yes, there, there's nothing God doesn't know. That's it. I mean, his, his omniscience, all so knowing So when we say, aspect. oh, you know, they died of COVID. I can't believe COVID came here, whatever. They were going to pass away anyway. Yeah. On that day, on that time, on That's that true. second, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it just happens to be the yeah. way that they... Or it could have been a heart attack, or it could have been a car accident. That puts my 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 heart to rest because all my people are so close to me. Like I always feel like, oh, if I wouldn't let COVID get in, I could have saved them. I could have yes. done it. No. And God keeps telling me, no, no. Rachel, that's no. not true. Yeah. Yeah. That's the worldly belief. That's not yeah. true. So I keep putting, okay, I know. They're with you. I mean, we're trying to stave off death, and that's why we're so jacked about you know the vaccine and people who don't really quite believe in God, and then the vaccine becomes all the more to them. You know, They don't have a grounding for eternity and life and death and they don't have that peace um, and it's not that we can't have those fears as well but it's a myth that no one goes before their time okay. and that's that's a hard thing to say someone who's grieving and I don't think right, I would say that no. in that scenario but no one dies before their time um, and then you start thinking of all these different examples God can give life, he can preserve life, he can adjust his own dials. Um, he, there's a king in Isaiah who he gives 15 more years to. 
So we were put in the time and space that God planned for us. Yeah. And, and, God, and God's, God's not up there with any single thing going, I hope more, uh, this happens. All right, I, oh man, if you do this, this is going to happen. He knows exactly um, how our decisions, the result of a car crash, the, rather the chemo is successful or not, it's all from him. So. And, and, Thank you, uh, God. Rich. The Lord answered Hezekiah's prayer because he had a purpose, and mm -hmm. that was to bring Josiah in the picture. He yeah. was going to be the next king. Yeah. And so we don't know why he did it, but Josiah was one of the great kings also. Mm -hmm. I think he might have been the, the last. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, they don't have any good kings. He had a purpose yeah. for yeah. giving Hezekiah 15 more years. Yeah. And that's the way it is. Well, yeah. his, his ways are not our ways, yeah, and well, his thoughts true. are not our right. thoughts, you know. Right. But you read the rest of the Bible, and you know that God caused him to right. repent like that. So it was always his plan to, yeah. give him more 15, to give him 15 more years. It wasn't just God's like, okay, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. he apologized, so yeah. here you go. But yeah. it wasn't like that. Yeah. Nothing is impossible with God. Yes, and the heights, width, and depths of God's sovereignty are can't see the other side of it. It's yeah. all right. No, I lost part of it. Oh, truly I say to you. Now he hasn't said truly I say to you since Luke four. Um, says it a lot in Matthew and Mark. It, it, it means like you can put this in the bank essentially. Amen. Amen is the literal translation, which means yes, yes. Hear this. And remember, we started saying back when we were in Luke four. Um, when Jesus says, truly I tell you, that's because of who Jesus is, that's him saying, it's the, it's the, it's the equivalent of, it is written. You know, how, how, how prophets and Bible teachers say, it is written, or thus says the Lord, this is the actual Lord talking, so he says, he doesn't say, it is written, he says, truly I tell you, it's the same thing, coming from the same source, God. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself, and this is where it gets scandalous here, and the roles flip, and he serves the servants. Truly I say to you, he, will, the master of the house, the owner, that's God, will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. Now, this is massively scandalous, especially if you're a, a, a Pharisee at this time. Um, but what does Jesus speak and uh, teach in John 14, he gives, or John 13, he gives a great example of the foot washing where he, dressed for action, tucks his robe into his belt and says, ties a tie, uh, tie, he dresses for service, ties a towel around the waist, the text says, and he serves them. And he gives them that a great example to follow. And here, we're going to receive this kind of treatment from our Lord in heaven and there is no amount, he kind of undermines our unwillingness to serve him because we have been served so greatly by him. His service to us initiates, qualifies anything we could ever do for him. And he, what he, we receive from Christ far surpasses any kind of 
payback or anything like that. Um, the Son of Man came to serve, or not to be served, Jesus tells us. There's no serving we could do that could ever come close to the service we've received from him, as we've said. So knowing this helps us to serve freely, not serving to gain favor, because we've already received it from the Lord, or to settle accounts, because we could never settle an account with the Lord, you know? If I give you, if, you, if I borrow five bucks from you and I pay you back, we have a settled account. I've borrowed an infinite amount from the Lord, and there's nothing I could ever do to satisfy that or, equal, or settle accounts. So we don't serve to gain favor. We've already received full salvation at the moment of our justification. We don't feel like it as we're being sanctified. And as you're reading texts like this earlier in the week, but that's what we've received. And we can't settle accounts either. Those two things. To be free of those two things like is, helps us to serve, energizing us, frees us from believing things. I love how Jesus frees us from believing things. That's why truth is so important. Only truth could cut off the cancerous things that I believe. And he will come and serve them. Now he says this. If he comes in the second watch or the third watch and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. All right, so um, there's different watches in Roman culture that like throughout the night, there's this picture Jesus is painting here. There's like a Roman watch, which is there's four watches of the night. And in Jewish culture, there's three watches of the night. And Jesus, now it's easier to wait for somebody when you're awake and when you're fresh. And now that's the importance of keeping our lamps burning the same as, you know, when we start waiting at 10 o'clock at night, we want to have the same heat and fire and the same alertness as, you know, four in the morning. So, He's saying, blessed are those who, there's no lapse of time. I mean, it's easy for all of us to begin waiting, but to endure. It's hard to finish something. But the text says we don't need to finish anything. His return is the finish of all things. We just need to be faithful up until then. Um, but if you have an enduring waiting, if a robust pattern of life with the Lord, you're, you're constantly coming into his presence. You know, if you if you love if you're having a bad week, you know, if, if and you loved him a lot last week, you had a great Bible time. But all of a sudden, you know, it's a week later and you you miss that moment. You're not comfortable with how you feel, and you, you keep coming, restoking the fires, putting another log in, whatever it takes, through prayer and reading and being with God's people. Um, that's how you keep your lamps lit in obeying him. I think he, when we're so, when we get complacent, we'll feel our unfaithfulness. And it's such a gift from God to feel that complacency. And it's, it's, a, it's a good kind of spur that keeps us going. Or when you're going too fast. Or when you're going too fast, yeah, that's... Yeah, that was always my problem. Like, Leonard would always tell me, slow pull, G. Slow pull. <laughs> yes. Because when you go too fast, you forget about it, too. Because you're all involved in all yeah. these other goals. Yeah, you don't want your you service to be a flashing in the right. pan, but a smoldering fire. Yeah. Uh, 
Hey, Rich. I, I go between the extremes of laziness <laughs> and over diligence. I wish I had a good middle ground. And still be sanctified. Yeah. yeah. We're all learning. Nin 1994, or no, <clears throat> earlier than that, uh, my wife told me to read the book of John, the Gospel of John, because I was in my Catholic ways. And wow, it opened my eyes. Yeah. But not within an hour. I mean, I went, I went to, before 1994, I was about 15 years, this is my thinking, I didn't even really think much about the Lord. But in 1994, I kind of had an awakening, maybe born again, but I've never went too long without thinking about the Lord or I, the Lord convicted me. All these years from 94 is what I'm getting at. And a lot of times the priest will say, well, Abraham went 20 years or something before he finally realized that he was going to get a son and, and all that. But, you know, like, and, and the message they give sometimes is it doesn't matter if, if you were 20 years after you became a Christian not, not, do, or not being involved with or reading the Bible or anything like that. Well, I find it scary, but you know something? Since 94, I'm just talking about myself. I'm still a sinner. The Lord puts it on my conscience not too long after my sin. And I, I'm, remark I'm, I'm, I'm amazed by that because I think he's keeping me. And I... I feel sorry for people that maybe go forward and you see them here, you see them there, and that's the way I was. Yeah. Uh, once saved, always saved kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But what I'm getting at is, uh, I praise the Lord that I see him keeping me because I'm not being astray for five years and then finally, or, yeah. he's actually been convicting me since 94. I don't obey him all the time though. Thank God I got forgiveness. Yeah. I have that so, neon sign too, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like <laughs> Yeah. Smack. Yeah. When you may have when you it's commit a sin, it's, it's like in it's your face. Like, it's yeah. like what are you doing? Like boom, like it's like Yeah. Back so, it up, uh, retract, practice yeah. forgiveness, track, you know what I mean? But it is, you're right. When you have a relationship with a man, he he communicates to you. There ain't no if ands or buts about it. I mean, it's like in your face, like you know better. He loves you too much to allow you to keep going down past you should right. or to go back to past you. When you, was, when you were doing that, uh, what I got from when my husband was that, that you just listened to the Pope and the priest yeah, right. and oh, you right. listened to yeah. them. That's right. And, and the Lord's not the first thing in your life no that you're right you're right and uh that's right i just wanted more knowledge yeah but they they keep you bound mm -hmm. uh, it's amazing you mean catholic yeah. Like, yeah now i don't know about nowadays that i don't know about younger ones but uh yeah you uh, because i'd say to my husband different things you know and it, it was you you didn't question right. you didn't right. question anything right. And he said, it's the Pope, whatever he says goes, and then your priest, he's, 
and uh, you, that's why you go to him and confess and all that, and then he tells you what you have to do uh, for your penance and Turned stuff. Turned me off when my friend went to Catholic church, and she invited me. You know, this is when I was younger. Like, I had gone to the first Christian church, obviously, and I went over there. But they have this Mary statue. Yeah, they like, have statues. What is that for? And they're like, well, you take the holy water and you bow down to Mary. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, that was my first inclination something was wrong because I was like, oh, no, because I was always taught that the Christian church there's no idols. You know what I mean? And to me, that was an idol. Like, yeah. they were bowing yeah. down to her instead of Jesus Christ. Yes, she had it, but. Her, yeah, well, there. She took care of her. She didn't Well, like, I don't know now, you know, a lot of, but she was placed up there. Yeah, no, uh, that's not. She never sinned. But then they would change. They did all these things, and all of a sudden, then they would change these rulings mm -hmm. and I said well how can that be you know all this time you know this they said the Pope that this is it this is it and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's all right to change yeah. and you know so but Obviously I mean I just he wasn't nope. no well, you know another thing too Rich not just yeah. knocking Catholics not a living oh, no, I, I mean it wasn't not I'm yeah. just saying no, no, to keep uh, to ever doubt your salvation, that's the devil no, I don't like doing it. And I think we should examine ourselves. If I was to listen to her, then I would have believed then, I'm saved, I'm saved, because I went yeah. forward, you know, and that's really dangerous. So, yeah, uh, it depends on, the on how the gospel is being received. But see, you can't change, this is my whole thing about the Bible. And I've gone around and around and around with this, is that I truly feel in my heart and my spiritual thing, my spiritual life, is that the Bible does not change. It does not change. You may not like it, <coughs> and you may not agree with it, but it doesn't change. Yeah. It's not like it has like this, this living, a lot of people say it was living and breathing. Well, yeah, because Jesus Christ is in these words, but these words never change. Yeah. You know, and I think the church is like to do that. Well, now, uh -huh. you know, society mm -hmm. says this is okay. So uh, God wouldn't be mean about that. He would do that. No, it doesn't say that he would do that in here. You know what I mean? And I think that's what sometimes the Catholic church does that. Well, we'll change this or we'll mm -hmm. do, no. Uh -huh. yeah. It has to be what he says, right? If you don't like it, that's your problem. And the scripture that's the is fixed. That's the conviction. Yep, yeah. that's yeah. your yeah. problem. That's what you got to work on then. I mean, exactly. yeah, Jesus... Do you think God needs to repent to us? No. So if he adjusts to the to the culture, no, the culture has to adjust to him. Yes. Yep. It, 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 without repentance and us changing our ways, and you know, First John um, is to is to ask God to change His ways, and He doesn't. He's perfect. What's perfect doesn't need to change. What's being perfected needs to look onto what's perfect and be perfected um, and change. Our view is kind of honed and expanded, mm -hmm. but the end result is still there. It was there. It will always be the same. Mm -hmm. It's not a different point on the continuum. Yeah. It's that point. It's still right there. We just are taking <laughs> detours yeah. to get where yeah. we are. We're constantly <laughs> swiveling, and yeah. he's never swiveling. Like, no. that's, uh, I love Hebrews calls Jesus the anchor. Yeah. I mean, I would love yeah. to be in straight line. It would be yeah. much easier. Oh, I know. 
But you know. How could we consider Jesus the anchor if he swivels? Right. And he'd be like, I don't know, the flimsy ladder that comes out of a helicopter. That's not Jesus. Um, but for your Catholic friends, just before we move on, um, Luke 1, 47, Mary calls, uh, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So she, that's, that's her admonition. That's her confession that she is a sinner. She's not the sinless. So there's our second beatitude as well. Blessed are those servants, the, the enduring ones. Um, I, we, we keep the fire lit. We wait and wait fruitfully. All right. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, now he kind of he, he uses the negative characters to say a positive thing. This is a form of writing. I forget what it's called, but yeah, God's not a thief. He's just using the image of a thief. Um, and the unexpectedness of a thief to convey something to us. But know this, if the master of the house had known at, that, at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready before the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Okay, so there are things that we know and there are things that we cannot know. Um, we're to be growing in the things that are available to us to know in this. But I, one of my favorite verses is Deuteronomy 20, 29, 29, where it says the secret things are for the Lord. So there is information he has not shared with us. It only belongs to him. He is in, he is in control sovereignly of uh, this knowledge that's, that's exclusive to him. Um, and, and Jesus, God is so sovereign that Jesus said, will say later that I do not know the hour of my coming. Only the Father knows that. So if you're God, you're supposed to know everything, right? So when are you coming back? I don't know. So God saw it's him sovereignly forfeiting knowledge as he becomes a man that he does not have now for the whole point of this entire text. Because if we don't know when he's coming back, we'll always be ready. If we know when he's coming back, we'll do what we want, we'll do what we want, and then we'll clean up right before he gets home like kids who have a party when their parents are gone. Right? Yes. And then the Jesus is trying to say, oh, no, I'm the dad who's coming home, and look what you've done to my house here. You know, we've all seen the famous scene in the movie, or been the kid, or been at the party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that is happening, and someone comes in and is like, well, what do we have here? You know, it's, it's kind of like that scene, but on the ultimate level. Um, and here Jesus is going to go into that, that next. And uh, Leonard said, he called it an apocalyptic moment. I wrote that down because, yeah, Jesus is foreshadowing. Uh, his return and the second coming. And he, Leonard said, I wrote this down, disciples are to live appropriately. Jesus gives us an apocalyptic moment for his disciples to live appropriately. And that's, that's good. To be faithful, um, to, be, to have real faith and, and just drinking of the real thing. As you open your Bibles, you're, you're soaking this into yourself and it's becoming a part of you. You're not just coming and hearing. You're, it's, 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 it's remaining in you. I, as I... As I look at this text this week, I just kept having this image like, like, I wish this would all remain in me. You know, I can stand up here and look like it does, but it doesn't. It falls out of me as well. I feel like a like a just a this gross bowl with a hole at the bottom, and like 
gets just slowly coming out, like all the good and pure truth that he pours in. And um, my prayer this week has been that he would patch that hole, fix my silly, holy strainer of a bowl that I am, <laughs> and <laughs> colander, whatever you want to call it. Because um, I feel like more like a, like a colander at times than a bowl. Yeah. And it's hard to stay ready when you have all these holes. So, I mean, part of the work of sanctification is him mending those holes and pointing them out, filling them. And uh, as Leonard said earlier, as he reads this text, he he's kind of questions his calling too, because this is what it gets real, and I think that's, that's, that's all part of it. We don't keep ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. this, oh, well, I'm going to do something good then and offset that. Yeah. But he's the one that's doing it all, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. he's, a, he's the one who, like, we can put a picture on our wall with, you know, sticky tack. He's the one who comes along and puts it on our walls with nails. Yeah. 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 And helps it to remain. So, okay, Peter says this next. He's kind of here. He, we see him as the spokesman for the group. Peter, uh, Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And Jesus has a unique way of answering him. And he says, and he's pretty much saying, I'm telling this to all who hear or who are the faithful and wise. And the Lord said to him, who then is the wise or who then is the faithful and wise manager who his master will set over his household? Now, a manager is not one is not the owner of the household. He's one who manages the master's things and house. So our master has ascended. He's uh, he's away, so to speak. He's present by his spirit. Now we are those who are filled with his spirit, who he's enabling to serve his will and for his good, or serve his good will for his glory. We do not own what we're in charge of. We're stewards. Um, By the, him giving us his spirit, he's sustaining us for his return, which is wonderful. He's not just left us. Do you rest? No. We are accountable for God's word. And I wrote that in here because I, I think I, it was R.C. Sproul who said, said something that made me think this uh, about this text. And I said, we're as accountable to God's word as the apostles are. Um, we have a little bit different roles, but their lives give us this, uh, and we should be as ready as the apostles were. Their example should be our reality. As you start, as you see these, these men operating, we do more than just listening to their words, but Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Peter and Paul both talk about this uh, being this manager. Peter more explicitly when he says in First uh, Peter four ten, he says we are managers of the very grace of God. Like so, what the gifting that God gave you, use that to be a good steward over the gift God gave you to serve His kingdom with that gift. Whom His master will set over His household. Uh, and this manager does this, to give them their portion of food at the proper time. So 
yet be faithful to give them the food wise as to the proper time. Um, it says, so how we keep our lamps lit, the job of the elders of the church. We should be doing this very thing. Rich, are we talking about individuals or are we talking about, is he talking about the church? Because mm -hmm. if the gospel's not being preached properly, mm -hmm. it's not gonna go out. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of times that's happened because we try to make a, our own interpretation on when a preacher is in the pulpit. Yeah. And we have to preach Christ and whatever. So, is it when we read this, when we look at it, what we've been studying, is it the church the way it's supposed to be run and how it's supposed to be? This is you know, for mean, those who run wrong? the church to really. Is this individual to. or is this about the church coming? It's up? for everybody, I would say. People, yeah. That's what it's, I'm yeah, it's, and that's a question that Peter was asking. It's for everybody. It's for the layman. It's for the leadership. It's for the. De it's it's for. Yeah. It's to everybody. For their specific roles. Okay. Mm, yeah. So we don't take it personally. Yeah, because we're, we're all servants. Yeah. 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 Um, and. We're all leaders in some way, shape, or form. May not be an elder or anything like that. I'm saying yeah. that yeah. Okay. fathers and mothers, you have an authority given to you by God to lead in that realm well, yeah. uh, according to the commands given to you and the direction and grace given to you as well. And that's one thing I don't want to leave out because this can be really heavy if I don't talk about grace. Do, do, do. Be ready, be ready, be ready. Grace is the one thing that we cannot go we cannot be ready apart from grace. Uh, grace is the nurturing mother that brings you to holiness. Um, as I think Spurgeon said something like that. Not the not sins. Apologist, you know, grace is always leading us into the next phase from glory to glory in our sanctification. That's the role of grace. So the faithful servant is the is the one who got saved, the one who sought her serve, who served God and initiated there. Who did away with their self-serving ways and gave him a heart that seeks after the will of God. Blessed is the third beatitude. Blessed is that servant whom the master will find doing so when he comes. The one who's faithful in the position that God gave him. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. That's a very scandalous thing. That he's going to give us so much. There's grace. But if that servant says to himself, Master, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that house will come on a day he does not expect. And this guy doesn't heed God's command. He just, he's going to come back. He does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him to pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Um, that's that's pretty severe. I don't think you could use much more strong language. Uh, put him in the place with the unfaithful. I mean, they're no better than an unbeliever, and the fact that they don't live according to the commands of God and don't care, which is the big part, because that's how you know they're not saved. Christians care, maybe not for a time, 
they feel the spurs and they get back. The, the unfaithful one doesn't feel the spurs. He just assumes. He presumes on the grace of God instead of lives by it, as Romans 2 said, says. Um, so what is, it, what is this guy, this unfaithful man? He doesn't heed the word of God who says he's coming to be ready. And so it says he beats his male and female servants. So he uses people, even abuses people, and then he eats and drinks. Remember, eat, drink, and be merry from last week? And he eats and drinks. He, abuse, he uses, abuses people and lives for himself. And then what God says to him, Christians don't revert to non-belief. False disciples do. In verse 46, the master of that servant will come on a time that he doesn't expect because he didn't heed. He wasn't always ready. He'll catch him by surprise. He can only be caught by surprise. And there's the, and put him in the place with the unfaithful. That's hell. And that servant who knew his master's will there's some distinguishing things here. Uh, who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act accordingly to his will, will receive a severe beating. Um, next part. But the one who did know and did what was deserving of the beating, he still will receive a lighter beating. So there's a severe and light. There's severe, there's indifferent in knowledge of God, and then there's the light beating, there's ignorant of knowledge of God. There's, you know and you don't live by it, and you didn't heed. And then, you didn't know, you knew a little. So we're accountable for what we know. Both of these, whether they knew a lot or knew a little, both are accountable. And either way, you receive a beating. Um, and then Jesus says this, everyone to whom much has been given of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand more. Okay, we see, we're going to see this in another parable later on. The one who's faithful with ten talents gets in charge of ten cities, and then the guy who wasn't faithful, his talents were given to the one who was very faithful. Um, So what positions have been given to me? That's, I wrote this here. Is this kind of this is where my heart is exposing the things. So I wrote down all the things that uh, I am. And so maybe this is a good exercise for all of us. I wrote down husband, father, elder, son, friend, brother. I went about each one confessing where I didn't see where the spirit led to say this is this isn't here's some holes over here and then prayed for the grace to fill those holes and the desire not to go back to complacency because from this text some things that I can see is uh, complacency is such a life-stopping thing is the 
we'll talk about it more later, um, not today, and later down in Luke, but there's the diligent man and there's the sluggard. Um, and there's a lot of sluggard in me. But the diligent man has, been, has come from the absolute diligent man and he's conquering some ground and I'm seeing, I don't, I mean, from where we learn from these texts, I'm sorry, I know I'm all over the place, but what we learned from these past few weeks should be Christianity is not a nice house that we stay in. It's more of a trail of campsites. I mean, we're exiles here in this land, Peter calls us. And so we should have this kind of uh, wartime mentality about us, about how we live before we get home. We, we, we can get complacent and make home a little, a little too nice feel a little bit too comfortable. Um, and what that does to our minds is... You mean like, like more here and on earth? Yeah, kind of have the, yeah. okay. the mentality that you know Christianity is this trail with some campsites that you can rest at and find some shelter and then keep going, progressing, keep on the trail. Life was like, you know, oh well, hey, you know, yeah. so 
and know which I read a verses oh, this yeah. week, and it really spoke to me. Thank you know how a lot of people Thank say, oh, great, gracious, let you do what you want. You know, as yeah. long as you're gracious, you can... Shall we say it all the more? Yeah. Grace <laughs> must not teach us that. And right. I read this yeah. verse, yeah. and it says, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passion, and all se and be self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age, mm -hmm. waiting for the blessed hope and the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what grace teaches yeah. us. Or and that's the revelation? Grace does not teach you to do what you want. You'll be okay. Yeah. Everything we learn or regress in, it's all because of grace. Yeah, it's not a license to sin. Yeah, right. It's cheap grace, like my yeah. father said. Yeah, you know? not a license to sin. It's a. So it, you have to question yourself, do I really, do I want to live this way, or do I just want a ticket to heaven? Yeah. <laughs> and there's room for improvement. Yeah. Really? Always <laughs> will be. Yeah. Where did you read that at, Liz? What, what? Titus. Uh, the book of Titus, chapter 2. Uh, you, can, you can actually read the whole book. But that, that verse really jumped out at me. Mm -hmm. That's what grace is. It's not license. It's not a weakness. It's grace will teach you to yeah. deny yeah, this world. Grace is grace. Yeah, you know. yeah that, that, that's if what grace does. And for God, I think that he subdues our wills to enable us right. to, because we won't, I've never let God do a he, thing. Yeah, I'd only let him bless me. If you're but only how I want to. You're a slave to sin. You need freedom. And that's yeah. the freedom. He, he will help us. He will yeah. enable us, in other words. Yeah, th there's, thank you. That's good. Yeah. That's a good verse for this. Um, and I, there's so many more. I have so many verses that I didn't get to flip to. But there's, that you could read in Timothy about the good worker, a worker approved, to see that. Um, I just, that's, That's what faith is, um, to live according to what you know and to always be growing in what you know. Yeah. Uh, Peter and Paul both pray that, that people would be growing in their knowledge. The first chapter of Colossians, Paul is, Paul is like, that we pray that you would grow in your knowledge of the Lord. It's by that knowledge of the Lord that we grow. That's how we keep our lamps lit. So we keep coming and sitting at the feet of Jesus. We keep doing this. We keep coming to church. And, we, and then we leave this for the sake of obeying this. Um, and about the wicked servant, this verse came to mind as well from James. Uh, so whatever, so whoever knows the right thing to do. So remember the people who knew but didn't get ready? And, didn't do it. And, who, and to him who fails to do it, for him it is sin. And so like this is, uh, Paul tells Timothy, Remind them of these things. And he says some things before that. And charge them before God not to quarrel about words. And he goes on, he, ta he talks about this worker approved. Um, and he talks about how a soldier doesn't get entangled in civilian affairs, the things of the world like that. A soldier is on mission, and we are soldiers of the Lord. Um, there's, there's so much to read in, in First and Second Timothy. I try to make it my practice to read something from this every week just to reaffirm what I'm supposed to be doing in the realms of my life, but 
to grow in knowledge also makes us humble, where a lot of people have knowledge and they get puffed up mm-hmm. and pride, kick, pride kicks in. But to grow in knowledge of the Lord will actually make us humble because grace was not earned. It was a gift. Mm-hmm. Salvation yeah. itself. Yeah. So Jesus earned it for us. Yeah. So let's just read this and pray. Not to quarrel about words, which is no good, but only ruins the ears. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Rightly handling the word of truth, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will only lead people into more and more ungodliness. There's an immense power of the truth, and it's vital to know what Rachel said, that it never changes. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are, and he lists two people, and these people have swerved from the truth, saying, and he cites a controversy, They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands. There's a verse where the truth doesn't change. God's firm foundation stands. It's fixed, it's sealed. Bearing the seal, the Lord knows who are his. See, remember, he he, he enables his people to the service that he calls them to. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So we don't go into it like the bad manager did who beat his servants and himself. And then there's, it says a lot more, but Father, thank you for all that your word says. Thank you for what we got to hear today. May we continue to hear and savor what we hear. I pray that for these, you would strengthen our prayers this week. And may we have a wonderfully intimate campsite fire time with our, with our Lord. Campfires you replenish us and refresh us, grant us the wisdom of when we need to get back on the path so we would be the faithful and the wise, and help us to keep our eyes on Jesus for all the things that when fears creep in and subtle things begin to impose themselves on us, and help us to find the rest. The gospel is rest, and we need it. I have a thing that I bring to class. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lord willing, it's even Tuesday. That's right. We'll see how it goes. How long have you been a Christian? Are we getting too? more stuff? I, I was uh, 29 when I became a Christian. You were 29? Because your cousin passed away.
away. See, yeah. I was young. Okay. We were, you know, I was supposed to have been too, but I had to wait.